Which backup 49er running back should you be rostering right now? Is one stud first-round FFPC pick about to have a precipitous dive in production? And who writes his ship this week? Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? Or neither or both? Plus, the Football Guys Players Championship Week 4 second-place team owner Steve Tansoni drops by to talk about drafting proven players coming off bad years, who he likes best in the Denver backfield, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Damn the pressure. I've seen greater men Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much. And greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Farrelliacs. Welcome. To the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is indeed the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to discuss uh, whether Garrett Wilson is going to destroy that Packers suddenly vulnerable secondary. What kind of performance we'll see from J.K. Dobbins against the New York Giants and then Steve Tansoni. Uh, the week four second place team owner in the Football Guys Players Championship will talk about what he saw from Brian Robinson both last week and then uh, Thursday night against the Chicago Bears. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about with him uh, what the proper Seahawks, which is the uh, proper Seahawks tight end to be rostering and starting this week in a potential week six shootout against the uh, Arizona Cardinals in the NFC West and much more. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, do so. Uh, show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. You can check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. You can post on our Facebook page too, facebook.com slash HSFFR. You can email the show, as many of you do on a weekly basis, football at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, now is the time to send them in. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails in the fantasy feedback seg uh, segment coming up later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and our producer, and mutual friend Rob. Uh, play the FFPC Weekly Challenge Week 6. Reminder, there is no draft, no salary cap. You choose the 10 or 12 players that you want uh, by Sunday's kickoff. It's got, We've got the slim format with uh, 10 players, no kickers or defenses. We have the 12-player format with kickers and defenses. Only one player per NFL team. You can play for 35 bucks. You can play for $200. You can enter the 30-team contest, the 100-team contest, uh, and remi reminder, there is also a $200 entry one, uh, where it is only 10 players. The winner takes all, all being a 2023 FFPC main event entry. So for just 200 bucks, you can get your way into next year's main event and play for a million bucks. Did a, um, great interview with Christian Barney Newkirk, uh, a five-time, uh, FFPC league champ, uh, on the road of his high stakes lowdown on Tuesday night. You can check that out. Um, at rotaviz.com slash podcast, or of course, um, anywhere uh, you get your podcasts, uh, or you can watch the replay at, on the FFPC YouTube channel as well. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified. A guy 
I always comment on, I always like, I always share his knowledge, and I'm always notified every single time he's bringing the real, which he's going to do tonight, ladies and gentlemen. The definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Welcome aboard, sir. Hey, buddy. It's good to see you. You know, I appreciate that introduction, but quite frankly, if we don't do any better than I did last week, I'll actually have to come with a security detail uh, to the draft in Las Vegas. You know, we gave Trevor Lawrence in front of uh, uh, Rams quarterback Stafford, I believe, and that was poor choice. We uh, the Packers lost. Uh, we gave A.J. Dillon, at least I did. I balky, you had it right. I had it wrong. I gave Dillon a player that I said was going to get all kinds of carries he should have in the second half. Six carries for Dylan, despite the fact he averaged over five yards a carry. I hope you can tell us what's going on with your Packers, my friend. You know, it's funny, as as most of our viewers know, I host a local radio show um, in Northeast Wisconsin. I'll be honest with you, we've had a ton of guests on that show this week, and nobody seems to know what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one – there was one um, – uh, possession that the Packers had in the second half. It was right after the Giants had driven down the field and the Packers um, came on uh, after, you know, their defense desperately needed a rest. They bombed it three straight times down the field, three and out. And then the Giants yeah. really took control after that. That was and difficult I, to watch. I was so disgusted with it. I, I watched yeah. Matt LaFleur's um, explanation of it and it makes sense in my head on paper, but man, so frustrating that they were really and think about that last drive of the game too what were they doing well they were doing stuff that they got away from early in the game you know earlier in the game it was romeo dobbs and alan lazard and aaron jones and aj dylan and they're all living in the first 10 yards past the line of scrimmage and things were good yeah that wasn't spectacular but they're churning up plays and, and making some some headway they get 20 points in the first half and then they really don't go back to that type of offense till that final drive of the game where they ended up getting stuffed inside the five yard line Um, but, but that I, I think it's, it's what Tom Brady has done most of his career. If you can just keep moving the chains, you don't have to make these big plays all the time. And hopefully that's what we see. Well, we'll get into some Packers jets analysis, uh, tonight. Cause I think that's, that's going to be important, uh, game to break down without further ado. Let's get into the fantasy flash. Uh, Kyle Pitts was limited in practice on, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week. Now here's the thing with, with Kyle Pitts. I don't know why his um, why his coach, a former tight ends coach, um, is refusing to use him by as anything more than a decoy and a blocker. I, I don't get that. I don't get that they are losing football games and they're not utilizing Kyle Pitts. I know it is a bad matchup this week uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, and I know Kyle Pitts is dinged up. I said, again, on one of my other shows, I said my, my stud of the year is going to be Kyle Pitts. And I could not have been more wrong five weeks in. Farrell, I don't know about you, but I am definitely willing to sit him down this week and play other options. Something I would never recommend anybody doing with their second round pick um, who is, you know, going to be active. But man, I'm, I'm kind of run out of excuses with Kyle Pitts. We're five weeks in. You can't keep you can't keep trotting him out there anymore. Um, yeah, you do so at your demise. Now, Bulky, you and uh, Kyle Pitts have ruined more fantasy football dreams than I have. So I feel bit better about it. You know, yeah, through five games, 10 receptions, through the same five games last year, 24 receptions. And if I think back, even then, uh, people had such high expectations for Pitts that they thought that the 24 receptions through five weeks was underperformance. He had nine right. against the Jets in week five and caught his only touchdown pass. But that's last year. Let's focus on this year. We've got a team that 
you know, this is where fantasy football and real football uh, collide. And sometimes you get people to say the wrong thing. And my good friend Bob Hogan pointed out something very interesting to me, which I was able to pass on to the fantasy player. He says, these coaches in Atlanta don't know what they're doing. Well, they haven't won a lot yet. And they're playing with a roster that's uh, got plenty of holes in it. But, you know, if we seek any guidance from Las Vegas, the first four games um, that the Falcons played in, all as underdogs, they covered the spread in all four of them, which generally means, pointed out to me by Hogan, that the coaches are getting a little more out of their players than you would suspect. And we take back, where did these coaches come from? Well, they came from Tennessee, a place where it is noted uh, a tidy and underperformance. And if Pitts doesn't play this year, or this weekend, rather, he's going to be uh, substituted by what they see, what they've always played as their tight end, a guy that looks more like an H-back, 6'2", 245, 250 pounds, and that's Fersker. Um, eventually, we're going to see – we're going to find out more about this, and, and we're going to have to find a different role, uh, Pitts lining up uh, off the line – uh, somewhere in this team to make a difference. And perhaps if there's a quarterback change, we'll see an elevated uh, uh, level of participation for Pitts. Yeah, Cal Pitts uh, has caught three or more balls just once so far this season. That's been frustrating to see. And, I, you know, I, I got him in a couple leagues. I want him to right the ship. But at this point, um, I, 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 I've heavily tempered my expectations. On, it, on and you, you mentioned playing other options. If you drafted pitch, you drafted it gung ho, you know, yeah. everybody that got him at the draft and people that didn't get him say, Oh, I can't get pits anywhere. And, and people that didn't get him um, lamented that. But if you have him at the draft, your other options, especially based on the tight end play that we've had, they, they're not very good. Yeah. And, and so you, you know, we've, we've got to make you got to make hay with that position in the FFPC. Perhaps uh, perhaps you'll be saved a decision by the fact that he may not be active. Man, I, hard for the owners if he is active, but is on a snap count or plays even a lesser role on the field. Wow. Yeah, that'd be tough. I, it would be tough. It'd be extremely tough. Um, He is actually playing against uh, the San Francisco 49ers this week. And that's the next team I want to talk about here okay. because. Uh, Tyrion Davis Price was actually listed as a full participant this week in practice. Really? Um, he had been missing uh, games, uh, several games. And But if you think back to the last game he played in week two, he had 14 carries uh, that game. Mm -hmm. Now, because nothing can be easy in fantasy football, Farrell, uh, Kyle Shanahan, alleged illegitimate child, I'm not sure, Tevin Coleman joined the roster this week. He gets <laughs> eight carries, 23 yards, and a touchdown. He gets catches all three of his targets for 44 yards and a touchdown. These guys seem to be joined at the hip. So just when you think, okay, TDP is going to be the guy, no Tevin Coleman once again re-enters the Kyle Shanahan picture. Mm. And if you only have the room to roster one of these guys, what are you doing? Are we are we putting our chips on Tevin Coleman after what we saw last week? Or are we going to roll with TDP, a guy who is a pretty um, uh, uh, popular mid-round draft choice back in uh, August and September? You're talking about as a backup running back? As the backup to Jeff Wilson, yes. You're trying to get a backup into your well, – well, neither one of these players not, – not, not necessarily – I beg your pardon. Not to start this week, but to keep on your roster in case something would happen to Jeff Wilson, which has stuff has happened to him 
uh, over the course of his career. Oh, okay. That that's that's I understand the question now. Okay, so well, with Tevin Coleman, uh, he left uh, San Francisco to go with another San Francisco coach to go to the Jets, and we know how all that worked out. Uh, but he is a beloved player within that organization, coaching staff, and front office. As that coaching tree expands through the league, Tevin Coleman may be able to play forever. But he walks into there and, and, and you know, veteran running back, which knows how to hit the holes. And, and who, who were the 49ers playing when Coleman put up those numbers? Uh, Car- uh, Carolina. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, the 27th rushing defense yeah. in all of the NFL, who happened to be without my favorite linebacker, Jeremy Chin, that week. So, you know, Coleman had a good opportunity. Uh, Terry, I, I, Price is is a comer at the position. Everyone was excited about him. Uh, you know, he's got the he's got the resume from the SEC, but you know, he he ran in his only game against the worst rushing defense, 14 carries, 33 yards. Uh, everyone would say, well, what about Wilson? Let's think about Wilson a minute. Uh, there's three guys in the league that have the volume that have more yards per carry than Wilson. Wilson is fourth, which I, I love yards per carry. That's my favorite stat for a running back. Uh, the guys in front of him is uh, your fellow Chubb. Uh, Barclay is uh, number two. And by damn, they might be on bye week, Balky, but I found a way to get the Raiders in the conversation. Josh Jacobs, number three, running back yards per carry. But that's, those are the three guys that are in front of Wilson. So Wilson is a top performer. If you drafted him late and have him available now for your team, he's going to keep all these guys off the field, maybe even Elijah when uh, he comes back. Yeah, and that is going to be a conversation that's going to be a fun one to have. Yeah. Once Elijah Mitchell's healthy, if Wilson is still as running as hot as he is, What's going to happen then? That is something we'll have a conversation with down the road for, for sure. And I, that'll be a very compelling thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the news out of Pittsburgh this week, I think, was interesting. Steelers coach Mike Tomlin in his press conference uh, telling the reporters there that, uh, quote, we've been playing Jalen Moore and will continue to do so as that is not what you want to hear if you have Najee Harris on your high stakes teams. Uh, going back to the game this past week, um, yes, it was a blowout to Buffalo, and I'm sure that played a little bit of a role into this. But Jalen Warren played 51% of the snaps against the Bills. He caught uh, four passes for 39 yards, had five carries, gets 24 yards. So you're looking at over 60 yards. Um, Najee Harris, again, I want to emphasize it was a blowout, but Harris was outsnapped, out targeted, and outrushed by Jalen Warren. And this is a guy who was going in the first round of FFPC and KFFSC drafts, quite frankly, maybe early second round in KFFSC, maybe early second round in FFPC too. Um, but Jalen Warren, even if he's not getting half the snaps out there going forward, but let's say he's getting 25 or 30% of the snaps, Farrell, this is not good for Najee Harris, but I think as if you have Harris on your team, you can't help but just keep trotting him out there and hoping for the best. The the kind of volume that he had last year was was not sustainable. Otherworldly. It was yeah, fictional. Yeah. What was the game he had? 19 targets or 19 yeah. catches or something like that, 14 catches. It, it was nonsensical. So he can have production um, – in a year when running back production is not necessarily the easiest thing to find, he can have production in a lesser role. And some bit of that role being a lesser role might be more valuable to him. I'm not ready to give up on Najee Harris yet. Um, it, it will be uh, a real matchup this, this week will give us a, a better idea 
of what we can have with this going forward. One very good game in a blowout does not uh, did not necessarily make a difference um, in the way this team's going to line up. However, Warren did look good, crisp. He's a good cutback runner. I like the way he catches the ball. There's a lot of things to like about him, and I tip my cap to to everyone that got on him late and drafted him because uh, if you kept him on your roster – You've got an option moving forward because Pittsburgh, especially with Friar Muth, I believe Balky has already been declared out. I could be mm-hmm. wrong. It may be correct. Nope, he has been. He is out. But, it, you know, if, if he's not available, they're going to have to have someone that can catch and run the ball from around the the, uh, the middle of the field and the backfield. So, yeah, it's it's uh, let's let's see what happens. We will see what happens. Um, we're also going to see what happens uh, in uh, for the Dolphins this week. Oh. Skylar Thompson getting the start in week six against the Vikings. Number one, before we get into the Thompson thing, um, can you uh, shed some light on this? I think I know the answer, but I want you to confirm. Um, The reports out of Miami was that if Bridgewater can pass concussion protocol, he would be expected to not start this game, but be the backup to Thompson. And and I was kind of thinking to myself, if Bridgewater passes concussion protocol, the doctors are saying he's good to go. Why wouldn't the Dolphins start him? Now, is it simply because um, Thompson is getting all the reps and practicing during the week? Is that the reason why Bridgewater would just be a backup? It could be, but, you know, Skylar Thompson, uh, the team likes Skylar Thompson. Scouting staff really likes Skylar Thompson. They, in the draft, they almost waited too long, and uh, there were a lot of calls coming in for this player. We would like him here, we did, and finally they had to – they had to draft him because he wasn't going to be available to them in free agency. And uh, our, you know, our our little blurb there from Twitter seems to depreciate Skylar Thompson. I remember a guy that threw for three touchdowns versus LSU, completed 75% of his passes and earned the NFL interest. I like his career. He's got the best thing. He needs his boys to subscribe to uh, – HBO, help a brother out. He's got the guys to help a brother out. He's got Waddle. He's got Hill. He's got Mostert. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk about old running backs, let's talk about Mostert. He's got guys around him that can make a difference. Uh, I really like, you know, he's going up against a team that uh, is in the bottom third in in, in pass defense. And, uh, you know, th- that includes games – that they've played, that the Vikings have played against the Bears and the Saints featuring the Red Rifle. So all in all, I uh, I wish that for a team that I needed a quarterback on and needed it hurriedly and had to make a waiver wire acquisition, that I had thought more about Skyler Thompson and less about Carson Wentz. Let me ask you this. Um, would you be doing, if you had Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, or Raheem Mostert, would you be doing anything differently with them? In other words, would you be sitting them? Are, are you sitting them this week because of Skylar oh, Thompson, but oh, you would start them with Bridgewater? Are you doing the same thing regardless? Oh, of who I'm, I'm more inclined to want to start those players with the rookie quarterback because it, and this is probably the better answer, the football answer to your question. Uh, we love Teddy Bridgewater. We've established that for years and years. Teddy Bridgewater is a backup quarterback for a reason. And I think at this point in career, I'm not, in his career, I'm not sure he has the arm talent to play the position and to really make a difference at the position. He can manage a game. He can run the team. 
this kid Thompson has strength in the arm, and that's what these receivers need because they'll create separation. They want the ball to them in a timely way down the field and all over the field. Thompson gives them the best chance to win while Tua is not available. Well, and, and that makes perfect sense to me. And and I would be honest with you, I probably only have Waddle or Hill in a couple of spots. I have most and more than a few, but all of them I'm, I'm starting regardless of Bridgewater or, or Thompson. And now I feel actually a little bit better starting those guys, knowing that Skylar yeah. Thompson is the quarterback after hearing from the commission. Let's hear from tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. I'll bring him in right now, a 26-year veteran of fantasy football. He's in the midst of his ninth year in the FFPC. He's already got three football guys, players, championship titles under his belt. One of his squads, uh, uh, not this week, but last week, was second place overall amongst almost 15,000 other teams in the football guys, players, championship. You follow him on Twitter, uh, at Steve underscore Tansoni. Please welcome into the broadcast, Mr. Steve Tansoni. Steve, welcome in. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Steve. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm... uh... Excited to be here. Nobody usually wants to hear my opinion. Well, here's what I want. Now, here's the, here's the thing I want your opinion on right away. Now, you're a Steelers fan, but you got the opportunity to go to Buffalo to watch your Steelers play uh, this past week. And and I, certainly it was not the outcome you were hoping for. But can you tell the, the everybody about the experience of, especially me, who's never gone to a game uh, in Buffalo before, um, uh, about partying with the Bills Mafia, sitting in the midst of the Bills Mafia. What was that experience like? Well, it was it was unreal. I mean, I've been to about 10 different stadiums across the uh, NFL. Um, they started the earliest out of any tailgate, tailgate that I've yeah. been to. Um, they were, you know, they were friendly. I mean, they, I caught the odd cat call. Now, the good news is, is the Steelers uh, travel fairly well. So the, there's some uh, black and gold around. And uh, I got introduced to the Octobomb. You know what that oh, is? Yeah. Yes, I do. I am familiar <laughs> with that. That I do. So, so I was introduced to the Octobomb uh, for the first time. So I had a beverage with uh, six other uh, Buffalo uh, fans and one other Steeler fan. So it was, uh, you know, an amazing time, beautiful day. Uh, you know, it was a great, other than, uh, other than uh, the uh, score, um, although I got to, uh, there was not as much animosity in the crowd because uh, they were all happy and I just, right was there for the ride <laughs> got yeah. to see Pickett's first start I guess that was the that was the benefit I can always say that and, and when Pickett is is a multiple Super Bowl winner for your Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. you can always say I was there right. for his very first start That's um right. Steve yes. when you are not taking in Steelers games across the country when you're not floating around the top of the leaderboard in the football guys players championship can you tell the viewers what you're doing for a living Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, an account uh, executive sales uh, leader with a multinational technology company. Um, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say the name, so I'll just say that uh, Eli Manning is uh, did a fantasy football uh, uh, commercial with him. If you need some help on your on your lineup, Eli did. Now that being said, Eli's in probably most uh, companies' commercials right now, so maybe that's not that uh, big of a deal. But uh, it, it narrows it down. But I don't think we can pinpoint it yet. So I think that's the best way to express that. Narrow this down to me. You started. You got a team in the top forty uh, in a football players' championship, football guys' players' championship. Uh, I, I always am fascinated by all those numbers of teams to be up that high, to be in that position. And oddly enough, you started this team. This was a zero running back team. You started with no running backs through the seventh round. I assume you had a couple tight ends mixed in. 
and uh, the rest were wide receivers, or were they all? What, what was the before you got to running back? What was it? Yeah, so I had, uh, I mean, Cooper Cup fell to me at four. I happened to be number four, so I was excited with Cup falling wow. to me. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, and then uh, on the way back, I had a decision to make between basically Lanny or Hill. And uh-huh. I like the upside of Hill. So, all right, so now I'm, now I'm full into zero RB. So then I had two other uh, strategies coming into the drafts that I had. One was uh, I wanted to have one of the top four tight ends. So Darren Waller was the only one left in that, in that group. So, okay, he gets picked. So now I'm two wide receivers and a, and a tight end in. And then I had one other rule for myself is that I needed to have a, one of my top six quarterbacks. And okay. uh, so I was kind of watching and, uh, you know, I started to see uh, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen drop. I'm like, OK, I need to get on Lamar here, which traditionally in my in my traditional drafts, I would have waited for QB till probably, you know, eight, nine, even 10th round. Right. And uh, in this case, I'm like, you know what I had? I needed to I just think what's changed in the last couple of years is that quarterback has got more separation from that top uh, from that top tier. Because uh, of running, as well as uh, you know, as well as they're running in touchdowns, and then uh, you know, and running back has just become a little more of a you know, a roll the dice. So if you're not getting one of like, I literally had in my plan if uh, McCaffrey or Taylor were left, maybe okay, then I might take him at four. Okay. Otherwise, you know, otherwise it was like I got to uh, I just got to put my draft capital into you- a little more sure things. You were zigging and zagging in the right way, and it, it, it does my heart good to know that when you finally got to draft a, a running back, that a, yes. uh, the, that a Steelers fan like yourself could lean on the second Raider when you took Josh Jacobs, and how fantastic this was to have Josh Jacobs uh, sitting there uh, sitting there uh, for you in, in the seventh round. Yeah. It, it, so my question is quickly, and you can – comment sure. anything about anything else you want about this team uh you've got to be thrilled with what you see about the way jacob's running do you think he keeps it up uh in, in some type of similar performance better than what we've seen over uh, from josh jacobs in the last couple of years yeah i mean i have to uh I, you know i gotta bring it back to the Steelers. so he reminds me of of bell the year uh-huh. that he was in a contract year it was all about uh the steelers ran the heck out of him well, the, the Raiders are going to run the heck out of Josh Jacobs. Uh, I know they had made some dra- they had uh, drafted uh, White, I believe, behind. You know, like there was some there was some uh, pressure, but he was a clear cut. You know, my rules are, you know, I'm looking for a clear cut uh, uh, guy who's going to po- po- uh, carry the rock, and uh, and he was. And then in the draft itself, you know, I started to see that that next tier of running back started to go, and I'm like, okay, I got to make it. You know, I can't uh, I can't wait any longer. And you know what, you do. Do some mock drafts, knowing what the average ADP was on them. This just was uh, had to uh, had to take it at this time. Um, Steve, you know, I think one of the great things about this draft, the way it's fallen for you. I mean, we talked about the first few rounds where you know you get Waller, you get Lamar Jackson, all these great receivers, Monroe St. Brown, obviously among them. But you know, I, I look at um, what you did with not only Jacobs but Miles Sanders, getting him at the nine hundred four too. These were two players that. Um, we're coming off down years. And one of the things I always like doing, it's more of a fantasy baseball thing for me than football, but I have applied it in football too, is drafting proven players coming off bad years because you usually get a discount in drafts on them. Historically, has has that been your experience as well, where you're kind of, you know, you're not going to overdraft these guys, but you're plucking them maybe a little bit early because the draft value is so depressed on them. 
he's got great deals in Jacobs and Sanders, man, and they're crushing it right now. Yeah, I mean, I also look at the. It's very important to understand the team. Like I, I and, and strength of schedule. I mean, I looked at the Philly uh, at Philadelphia strength of schedule. I mean, they're going to win. They, I mean, obviously they're five and zero. Oh. I mean, they're a great team. And that told. And then I, I discount injuries. Uh, I think uh, a lot of guys will. You know, like if McCaffrey would have been available for me, I would have taken him. I know he's been injury plagued, but to me, injuries are random. I mean, they're more random. And uh, so I. I think a lot of players will overvalue uh, injury history. I mean, even Will, you remember Will Fuller, Fuller last year? You know, until he got into trouble, he he didn't get hurt, right? He went through, but everybody was talking about injury. So uh, I think that's what I, I looked for, a good team. And then you'll notice is the only handcuff I took with was, uh, was I, I did take Kenneth Gainwell not long after because I believed in the team. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a bet on the team. And I did try, I was trying to get Boston Scott at some stage, uh, but I, I didn't get him. He got plucked on me. But that was kind of my style from a from a running back pers- uh, perspective. You know, uh, we got an interesting game coming up here Monday night. Uh, Denver, uh, we've seen very little that they've done right. They managed to win a couple games. But when you talk about injuries, that's what it looks like with the quarterback. And now we're hearing things and we're, we're, we're understanding things about Russell Wilson that – his body may be compromised and what he's doing. He sure looks odd when he starts throwing the ball sideways and, and underneath and short, short patterns. Now I have looked at this backfield. Uh, I was, I was deep into Williams, but I always got Gordon and I'm grateful for that. And, and uh, I, I have a team that's looking, looking way up from the football guys players championship at your 40th place team. And um, I have a uh, Gordon and Murray uh, on that roster. I never thought about rostering Mike Boone, and I was glad to see him play so well. I've always thought of Mike Boone as a special teams player. You drafted Mike Boone, I do believe, or perhaps you picked him up on waivers. Uh, Whatever happens in this game, I think that this backfield is going to be leaned on very heavily to catch balls and and to try to move the uh, proverbial chains down the field and keep uh, uh, the Chargers off the field. What's your belief in the mix of the Denver running backs and how far in are you, are, is there an opportunity where you think you're ever going to give Boone his chance? Yeah. So, I mean, I did pick up uh, Mike Boone. I didn't draft him, um, but I call him T he's on team preseason. Like he always seemed to have that preseason, you know, you play a little DFS and you'd end up with uh, Mike Boone on one of your squads. Um, there's a reason why Murray's been on practice squads all year, you know, I mean, uh, so I don't really believe in him. Do I think he's going to potentially vulture some TDs? Yes. Um, and I'm just, Gordon scares me when you're fumbling the ball four uh, weeks in a row uh, and, and a coach is looking over his shoulder, whether he's still going to have a job. I'm not sure the next fumble doesn't keep you out of the lineup. So am I playing him this week? Probably not. Um, am I on a trigger figure? Because I do think he's the next backup. He's decent out of the backfield. He gets some targets, and uh, and I'm just I'm waiting for uh, Gordon to, to fumble that next uh, that next ball. And and uh, and then when, like I said, when a coach is starting to worry about his job, they just get trigger figure happy. Like they will make decisions um, because they're worried about the next game. So that's kind of my thought process. It's a 
it's convoluted, but that's my thought process. No, I think I followed it pretty well, but I'm going to advise you not to live in fear on old Latavius Murray because you know what? That little audition he gave over in London shows that he's he's primetime ready. And Gordon, well, you know, Melvin's an interesting cat. And uh, I, I think uh, I think Balky and I carry the ball just like uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, just like this from now on. That's how. Yeah, we do it. yeah you got to two-hand yes. that. You We're all two-hand in the ball. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of other running back situations, let's get to the the post from that we just got from uh, Coco's World on YouTube here. Coco. The Cam Akers news, really bizarre stuff today coming out. And and I, I, I'll throw this uh, right now to you, Steve. First, we we found out that uh, Cam Akers is already out this week. Uh, Sean McVay, McVay did not want to comment on his role with the team going forward. So certainly it looks like Daryl Henderson this week and maybe Daryl Henderson for the foreseeable future. I don't know what to make of it. Um, and, and maybe, I, I, you know, you guys can comment on that. Uh, but right now I'm just focused from a fantasy standpoint. Um, you think about Kyron Williams and you think about Malcolm Brown, who are on this team as now the new backup running backs, if Cam Akers is is going to be done with the Los Angeles Rams. If that's the case, is there any interest in carrying these guys as a 19th or 20th player on your roster, Steve? And, and I'm speaking with Malcolm Brown and Kyron Williams. Yeah, I, I mean, um, you can tell they aren't, you know, Bay has never been uh, a huge Henderson. I mean, he's he, a fan. I mean, he never really stuck with them, right? So that always makes the guy nervous. And Malcolm Brown has done solid when he's had the chance. Um, and you're, you know, again, you're one in, you're one, uh, you're one injury away. Um, and, uh, that's never a bad idea on a good offense. Once they get things going mm -hmm. and a quarterback that doesn't mind throwing to your back. And again, when I look at running backs, um, I look at targets. It's an important part of the floor. Uh, when I'm looking at uh, who I'm going to start, I mean, it also makes a difference on what week you're in, right? If you're playing, if you, if you're, you know, if we're talking playoff time and I need to hit a home run. Maybe I'm not playing uh, someone that's just got a good floor. Um, you know, I'm going to try maybe move towards a wide receiver instead of running back in a flex position. But if you're trying to win just a week and get to that next, you know, into the next week, into the next, uh, into the playoffs or whatever you need, then you got to, you know, pick up somebody like a Malcolm Brown, have him on your bench so that you can take advantage of the mistake or of a, an injury, sorry. Farrell, do you have any insight into what you think might be going on with Akers and the Rams? Um, based on the coach's response, I, I think, you know, we're, we're very much interested in league and player safety and mental health is part of the player safety. And uh, this is a this is an opportunity for the league and, and the players union has been way out in front of this to respond to it. I think that's what I, I think that's what's going on here, uh, you know. My dad had an expression, an old school expression. He says, can't stand prosperity. And that's what I think of uh, in this in this player's case. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, this opens the door for Henderson. Balky, you know what I think about Henderson. Steve, if you've listened to this show, I think Henderson's a better running back than a lot of guys that get more opportunities in the league, including those at Los Angeles. I really like Williams from what he did at Notre Dame. I saw him do it at a high level in college, and I wouldn't hesitate to put that player on the roster. All right. Uh, good uh, good analysis there, gentlemen. Uh, I want to shift it from uh, running back to uh, receivers right now. And a player that we talked about, I think, quite a bit during the um, pre-NFL draft season when we didn't know where Sky Moore was going to end up. Uh, there were certainly a lot of dynasty players that came on here and were very excited about him. And then when he got drafted, 
he became like the 107, 108 in a lot of drafts uh, for FFPC rookie drafts this year. So people expecting big things. And we haven't not yet seen it. I mean, it's not fair to him. It's only been five games in his NFL career. But, uh, Steve, are we going to start seeing Patrick Mahomes start targeting uh, Sky more, more so than we've already seen? Or is this something that's simply not in the cards for the remainder of this year because of the presence of Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, um, Travis Kelsey, and, and obviously Clyde Edwards-Alaire catching a lot of passes there as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously, barring injury, I mean, uh, that changes everything. Um, you know, MVS can sometimes go a little sideways. Uh, but, unfortunately, I think this is – I would. St- I'm gonna. I have a bunch of shares of them in a couple leagues. I'm keeping them uh, probably longer than maybe most because, you know, sometimes you get rookies. They either they get the rookie that rookie uh, um, wall if they start at the beginning of the year, or if they get if they get integrated slowly, all of a sudden they start to catch up and it becomes uh, more natural. Before you know it, it's the end. So here comes FFPC playoffs. It's a guy that I would like to have in a really good offense. Um, I mean, again, I may not be starting him until week 12 or 13, but uh, I'm definitely not uh, dumping him uh, at this point in time. Steve, back in the spring, back during free agency, we had an announcement, actually. I think they came to an agreement in in principle, J.D. McKissick moving from uh, Washington to Buffalo. And then uh, Buffalo matched the deal, um, and uh, he returned – of his own volition to Washington. And I was, Balky and I talked about it. And, you know, the player makes his own decision. Players uh, don't necessarily fear the unknown, but they become comfortable. I think today, oh my goodness, what a great player it would be for Buffalo. And oh my goodness, what a what a ride to, in your career, a hardworking player to get to the Super Bowl and how great it would have been. And I would love J.D. McKissick in this offense. And now after Thursday night, when you look at that backfield from Washington, you have to be impressed with what Robinson did. Fantasy players have written off Gibson, but Gibson had the strongest fourth quarter that you could imagine. And McKissick, although shining on one or two receptions, seems to be the odd man out. Is that how you read it? And if you, I'd, I'd like to know what your expectations are. Uh, of Robinson. I'd like to go back to the idea that when we all heard the news was he dumped off rosters and later picked up on waivers and how much of him do you have? And, and what are you going to do with this team moving forward? Uh, the, uh, uh, you, you may give us a longer answer than, than what coach Rivera did today. Yes. Yeah. That was a pretty quick answer. Wasn't it? Um, I mean, I have a, a little bit of uh, Brian Robinson. Um, I did uh, I did keep him in the one league that I had him, and uh, uh, after the incident, um, I mean he was the he won the job in uh, in, in preseason. Uh, so it didn't surprise me that once he was healthy that he got the first chance. I mean uh, Rivera is that type of a coach. Like if I don't remember, I mean if I think of Cam Newton injuries, like he didn't lose his job because of it, right? Um, now going forward, to be honest with you, I actually, I even, I played JD McKissick in a couple of, uh, leagues because I, I, like I say, I have a tendency to stick on targets and he had been traditionally getting targets. And if I was doing with my, you know, my second flex role, the guy gets targets, that's who I'm going to have in the lineup. Um, I don't think one week is a trend for some reason. There's a hate on Antonio Gibson in that, uh, in that uh, coaching room. 
So I still would rank him Robinson, McKissick, Gibson. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, yeah, last night definitely uh, threw threw a wrench into my uh, thought process. It's uh, a thin line between love and hate. Those coaches seem to love that guy that can run with the ball and catch it. Right. What a what a quarter he had, and uh, man, McKissick in Buffalo. Wow. Oh, yes. What a bunch tremendous. What a bunch tremendous. Quit teasing me on that, man. I would have <laughs> uh, loved seeing him last week. Um, Steve, you know, one of the things I thought people were excited for, not necessarily excited for the Jahan Dotson injury, but when he went down, um, we saw Deami Brown step up last week um, and and made two big plays, two touchdowns. And, and I think a lot of people were kind of excited. Maybe this guy's going to be a thing um, in in Washington until Dotson gets back. And it sounds like it could be a few weeks before that happens. Um, last night, uh, Curtis Samuel was basically non-existent. So you think, okay, De'Ami Brown, well, he had a zero. It was a bagel performance from De'Ami Brown. And I don't know how much stock we can put into this because Carson Wentz failed to throw for 100-plus yards last night, which was shocking to me that he couldn't even top 100. Maybe I'm answering my own question here, but De'Ami Brown, is he a thing? Is he any kind of threat uh, to be near your starting lineups until Jahan Dotson gets back? Yeah, I, I mean, that. You answered it right off the bat. I said basically, my opinion is Wentz is a bigger threat to Samuel's role than uh, than Brown is. Um, but again, I'm I'm a guy on volume touches, uh, less about efficiency. And Diami Brown was it was all about efficiency. Uh, you know those two long touchdowns. So in my opinion, I, I'm I'm keeping Samuel uh, around, Curtis around. I mean, and. Uh, you know, a long shot, keep the bottom of your bench, maybe, but uh, I'm not buying. I'm not buying. It's just too much, uh, you know, two two catches, great game, but I just, uh, it's about to consistency in, in my opinion. Well, Curtis Samuel just had a very, very bad game. I don't think we should call him Stonehand Samuel, but that yeah. touchdown, you know, there was 45 yards of touchdown right there for, uh, for Carson Wentz. It, it would have made his night. It yeah, yeah, it would have given us a double. Oh. It would have given us double digits for those for those foolish enough like myself to have started him. Let's uh, let's go out to Seattle. Um, uh, you don't know these guys, Steve. If you ever come play in Kentucky, you'll meet them and you'll love them. Uh, maybe you met them in Las Vegas. FBI Petri and Larson. They walked into our Cincinnati draft, Balky. All they could talk about, especially to Fetch and Justin. Uh, all they could talk about was Geno Smith. They said, you know, you got to get Geno Smith. You got to get Geno Smith. And, uh, you know, now there's a lot of players that uh, are benefiting uh, from Geno Smith's resurgent career, and, and, and I'm just loving it. But the tight end position, historically a head-scratcher in Seattle, continues to be one. It's Disley. It's Fant, who I understand has had – injury recoveries. And if you look at what Fant did at Denver, man, those numbers would be perhaps a league winner now if, if, this year. But uh, then you can figure in Colby Parkinson, who's six foot seven and went to Stanford. And when I see a Stanford tight end, I say, hey, there's something there. You put all these three guys together, you got one very good fantasy player. But the <laughs> rules don't let us do that. So you want to talk about this position? Uh and is there one you like better than other? Is, is one going to emerge, or is it just going to continue to be too hard to figure out tight ends in Seattle? 
Well, it's going to be definitely difficult, but that's not, uh, you know, I'm allowed to have an opinion, so let's give you an opinion. Um, I was on the fence uh, drafting late. I thought, uh, you know, yes, there'll be some time for adjustment, but, you know, talent wins out, uh, past history. You know, I gave you my opinion on injuries already. So I, I was on Fanta. In fact, I have him on this team basically to play this week uh, when Waller was out. Um, but if you if I had the chance to do it over again, or if I'm choosing right now, I'm picking Disley. And I'm again, it's about red zone targets. At the end of the day, he's got slightly more red zone targets than Fant. And in, in the tight end position, if you're not one of the top four, you got to get a touchdown and you might as well roll the dice with the guy that's going to get more targets in the red zone. He's again getting them one essentially every week. Yeah, exactly. And he's been scoring them too. He's a good, good handed tight end. I like that. That's great. Um, a couple of emails here, and then I want to get into a conversation that's starting to develop in the uh, beg your pardon in the uh, YouTube chat right now. But um, the first email, we're going to go back to Kansas City for this one. This is uh, Jim in Alborn, Minnesota. Dear Steve, what kind of a role do you think Jarek McKinnon will have for the Chiefs going forward? Thanks so much. Thank you, Jim, for lists, uh, for viewing and uh, for sending in that email. And Jarek McKinnon last week um, had his best week of, of the season so far against the Las Vegas Raiders. Eight carries for 53 yards. He also caught a pair of passes uh, for 19 yards as well. And, you know, obviously you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire there, Isaiah Pacheco, you know, kind of muddying things up. But with McKinnon, um, definitely worth a roster spot, right, Steve? But it, it's just, it's for me, it's difficult to know when to start him. Yeah, I think it's a that's a bye week challenge. Like if you uh, need a bye week guy, I like McKinnon. I don't think he's giving up his third back role. He's gonna get to he's gonna get to carry the ball sometimes. It's a very efficient offense, and anytime you can bet on an efficient offense, it's a good it's a good thing. I think uh, Ceh Ceh is the one that kind of loses on the Pacheco piece because I think he's gonna take Ceh carries ahead of. Uh, ahead of uh, McKinnon carry. So I would say my opinion is if you like him now and in, in your lineup, you need to have that kind of uh, that type of a player that's going to get you a certain, you know, flat number of like with a, a certain floor, then I think you got to roll, you can roll with them um, and then go from there. Like I think, uh, like you say, Pacheco is going to be digging into CEH uh, is role uh, more so than, uh, than McKinnon's. Um, so right now in, in the chat room and, and our resident Ivy League professor Hudson Kern Reed brought this up about DJ Dallas as a potential deep sleeper this week. Um, and, and if you miss the um, and not necessarily you guys, but if anybody is viewing this, miss the uh, high stakes fantasy football show on the better sports network on Wednesday night at Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm. And we were talking about this Cardinal Seahawks game. And he's like, I, Balky, I'm basically starting everybody in this in this Cardinal Seahawks game this week because it, it's going to be electric. Now you have a situation where the starting running back uh, for the Cardinals is probably going to be Eno Benjamin, yet DJ Dallas could play a role uh, for Seattle. Can Steve, can you kind of compare these two, uh, what you think about their prospects this week, and maybe a little bit going forward too, now with the Rashad Penny injury, making DJ Dallas relevant as far as uh, maybe being fantasy rosterable now? I mean, he's relevant, but I mean, the Seahawks spent a lot of capital on Kenneth Walker. I mean, he's good. He's, you know, he, he was great in college. He's going to have a great week and then it's just going to roll. So, uh, and I mean, traditionally they, uh, you know, the Seahawks have been a single back, right? I mean, go all the way back to my sandbox days and Sean Alexander, I was running with, oh, yeah. right? I mean, they, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, they, they like to run with their one back and, and away they go. Now, again, if there's, if they continue 
maybe it's because I'm uh, from Western Canada and I got lots of Seahawks fans around me and it kind of ticks me off a little bit. So <laughs> I, I'm not buying into this Geno Smith uh, uh, offense is going to lead the league for the whole year. Um, maybe that puts a little bit of a challenge on the DJ Dallas, but I don't think he's a, he's definitely a good stash. There's no doubt about it. I wouldn't roster him yet. I need to, I'm a, I'm a, if you show me one week, then you're definitely in the conversation until then, you know, unless it's a, like a, a, even Eno Benjamin, right? We talk about Eno Benjamin. I have him on my, he's going to be in my starting lineup in this, uh, in this team this week. Um, you know, I happened to draft him. He's now getting his chance. He's done, he's done well when he's gotten a chance. So yes, he's going to be a guy that I play. So um, I don't know if that helped him uh, on that, but I definitely would have him rostered and then you're just going to have to pick your spots. Yeah, I think your question came from Hudson Kern Reeve. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was him and Coco's world, which we're yeah, discussing the, 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 the Dallas Coco. versus Benjamin. Those are different levels of interest. Uh, if it wasn't DJ, if the guy's name was DJ Philadelphia, Hudson would have never brought up the question. True. It's great all point. about Dallas. It's, yeah, that's know, a great point. That is. Um, yeah, DD stands for Dallas Dallas. Um, okay, so the, the other thing, too, is is uh, I want – well, how, let's do it like this. Let's go to Brian in Anaheim here. He has a question. Um he writes, uh, hey, Steve, I need a Hail Mary this week with no Cooks, St. Brown, or Devontae Adams. Chase Claypool or Allen Robinson? Thank you, Brian, in uh, Anaheim for this email. So this is uh, – oof, it's, it's not a great choice yeah. here. Uh, Actually, Chase Claypool, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, I mean, and, and this is not a Steeler thing. Uh, I go with Claypool over Robinson because uh, the, the Rams are playing against his zone defense this week. And if you look back at all of your uh, of the weeks when uh, when the when the Rams are playing zones, you got a ton of Cooper Cup and you got a ton of Tyler Higby. Um, so in my opinion, you, you got to go with the guy that's going to get a few more targets. I think we all know that Tampa is a funnel defense; uh, they'll shut down the run. Um, so that means that uh, you know your Pickens and your uh, um, Dante Johnson and Claypool are going to get the, the they're going to end with Firemuth out. It's going to be to those three. Um, so, I mean, I would just, if I got to place a bet, I'm placing it on Claypool. Farrell, I'm fresh out of emails for Steve. Uh, and I know you, you're loving the Claypool choice here from him. I, I do. I, I'm. He's not starting on every team where he's rostered, which is damn near all of them. But not. It's it, that's an intriguing way to look at it. And I, uh, I'm rooting for Claypool and I'm rooting for you, Steve. And you're going to, everybody, you're going to deliver an answer it's going to make everybody love the fact that you are on this show. And you might have already you, you might have already exposed some of them. So now you've got to dig deep. Somebody you haven't brought up yet. I need a bust for this week. And you know, you could probably listen to what's going to be what I'll advise after you leave uh, the show, and you could pick one from there because I'll probably advise. But or a sleeper, bust and sleeper this week. That's what our listeners need, and we need it from you. Well, I hate to tell people, and again, this is this hurts my heart, but I just touched on it. The Steelers, uh, you know, Harris is, is getting fewer carries. You're playing it's a Bucks defense that funnels to the pass. I know he was a early pick for you, but if you can find something uh, different, I just think he's going to be in trouble this week. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's that's my bust. Mm. Um, from a um, from a a, a, a sleeper. I kind of like what's going on with Rondell Moore this this week. I mean, he's finally going to be in the slot. Um, you know, he's going to get used properly with AG with AJ Green returning. 
So, you know, obviously that's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, so I'm kind of, I, I would like to see Rondell more. I don't know if that's deep enough for you, but uh, I'd like no, to I see. I think, uh, I think he's going to have a good week. I think, um, well, and, and, and Farrell, uh, Hudson's asking us, you and I, for some deep sleepers this week. Um, and, and you know, obviously you have four teams on by. Public service announcement, get those Texans, um, get those Raiders, get those Lions, and um, who's the other team that's on by this week? Texans, Raiders, Lions, and why is this escaping me? It's Detroit. Oh. Yeah, Detroit. It's yes. Detroit, Houston, Las Vegas. There's a lion still, yes. Yes, yeah, yes. But, yeah, no, I got to look this up now. I can't believe I – I can't I, either. This is fascinating. This is fascinating podcasting. Right. I, it's terrible. It's, it's it terrible. Um, okay, but he – so I, looking at deep sleepers, obviously Hudson brought up DJ Dallas as, as a potential one. It's Tennessee. Idiot. Tennessee is also yes, on by. I should have knew – I knew that. Why can't I remember it? Um, so you have um, – uh, Hudson asking us about some potential uh, deep sleepers. And I try to stay away from deep sleepers as far as my starting lineup goes. You may not have the opportunity to, but just a couple of uh, of, of running backs that, that I'd mentioned. Um, if you would have asked me prior to the game last night, I would have said J.D. McKissick uh, was obviously one of them. I know that helps nobody now. Um, Jalen Warren is definitely an interesting one. And I, I, I think, Steve, we should ask you about Jalen Warren because we talked about earlier in the show that um, that Mike Tomlin says he's going to be using Warren more. Is this going to turn into a timeshare in Pittsburgh, in your opinion? No, but uh, he's definitely earning his touches. Um, but I tell you what, from a deep sleeper in the same game, for all of us that maybe have some, you know, the, this ridiculous tight end uh, uh, position, Zach Gentry. You know, he once he came into the game in Buffalo, I noticed him. Um, and if you need somebody in your – like, like I honestly thinking – I've been thinking about throwing in a claim – uh, to play him instead of Fant, like with Waller being out. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, uh, if you're, you're talking about a sleeper that you might can probably still pick up off the uh, waiver wire, that might be an interesting one because that is going to be a pass-happy game. I would also offer, and Coco's World pointed this out, Alec Pierce. I think Alec Pierce is a nice deep sleeper this week. I don't know how deep that is. I think he's yeah, it's not deep, play. Coco. I, I think twenty I, rounds I, in the FFPC. I think he makes. Guy should have been a single-digit pick, Balky. I yeah. Well, I'll say Dominic Peoples Jones. I think is interesting. He's still getting a lot of targets. Um, I think he'd be an interesting one. And you know, say what you will uh, about um, uh, uh, the the Rams offense, but. Matthew Stafford's looked for Ben Skoranek uh, quite a bit, uh, you know, so far this season, yes. more so than Allen Robinson, by the way. And and I think, again, if you're desperate, if you got multiple guys uh, on by, uh, that would make a, a good choice right there. I think we made a great choice right here uh, for our guest tonight, Steve Tansoni, the week four uh, Football Guys Players Championship second place team, still hovering in the top 40 in the FPC. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, the rest of the way, Steve, uh, rooting for you not only in, in this league, but in all your leagues this year. We'll follow you on Twitter at Steve underscore Tansoni and uh, certainly appreciate you carving out some time uh, on your uh, busy Friday night, uh, kicking off the weekend in style. I know I think you said Saturday night is your big Saturday night. Sunday morning is your big like fantasy lineup setting waivers, stuff like that, right? Correct. Yeah. Although, you know, you got to start on a Friday. I mean, you, you, uh, you know, I know we're Kentucky, so I've got a, a I got a bourbon waiting for me with a nice big, uh, with a nice big ice cube to start my uh, research for the uh, rest of the research for the weekend. So we'll let, man, we'll let you, it was a, yeah, it was a pleasure. Well, thank you so much. We'll let you get to that bourbon. Don't be a stranger. We'll do this again sometime. Steve Tansoni. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thank you. Steve Pansoni at Steve underscore. I like that guy. I got some sleepers, Bucky. Go ahead. Fire away, Farrell. I want to hear him. Atlanta Falcon running back Avery Williams. Changed from a DB. Played DB and kick returner at Boise State. Now playing running back. Scored a touchdown. Uh, Kyle Alton, tight end at Tampa. And uh, Khalil Shakir woke up last week, so I'm too late for that one. So let let me ask you about Shakir, because McKenzie should be back this week. So does that put Shakir back to sleep? It shouldn't. Uh, but they have just so much up there. It, you know, you, you can't depend on it, but oh boy, that was, uh, that was, uh, my favorite, my favorite draft pick for best ball was Shakir. And I was glad to see him have such a great week. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Avery Williams could be a real thing. This is a guy who caught punts despite being a defensive player. He caught punts at Boise state for all those years and, uh, and kickoffs. And so, you know, he can handle the ball and he can catch the ball. And he's, you know, I, I see a, uh, a New England Patriots style uh, third down back in Williams. So but we got other things to get to, but that's my deep sleep. I'll just point this out for I'm looking at the analytics right now. We just had our viewership spike in Idaho because for your deep sleepers, you just listed two, two. Boise State players in there mm-hmm. as well. So we're, they're loving us in Boise, in uh, Idaho right now in uh, at Boise State. So thank you so much for that. Uh, let's uh, get to the fantasy feedback uh, segment here. Uh, these are all start sets. We can go through them relatively okay. quickly. Uh, Dwayne in Greenville, South Carolina. I keep picking the wrong guy every week. Can you guys just do it for me? Aaron Rodgers hosting the Jets or Russell Wilson on the road against the Chargers. Keep up the great work. That's Dwayne in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm going to go with my my guy for the Packers here. I, I think if you watch that, that film last week, that game, you could see that they're not far off from really clicking. And that second half, I think, was an aberration. I think Rodgers gets right this week. I think he puts up some pretty good numbers. I just don't know what to make of the Denver Broncos offense right now, Farrell. Yeah, you, you've got to go, Rodgers. The interesting stat that I saw, and it, it blew me away, um, RPO, which team has a quarterback with more offensive plays on a run-pass option? No one more than the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. 28.4% of the snaps, that means to me that he is looking – rolling, trying to find receivers. That's why Randall Cobb is going to continue to be successful. He and Cobb will continue this, uh, what they started last week. And, uh, he, you know, when he drops back, you can begin to look for Romeo Dubs. And it, it, it's going to come together. Yeah, Rodgers is what you want to do there. No Christian Watson this week, too. So Cobb and Dobbs should both be uh, pretty successful this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go to um, – this is the Dobbins question, I think. Oh, yeah. merciful, slippery well, Jesus. We're, yeah, we're going to go up to Homer, Alaska, which is where Rich is. Any advice on playing J.K. Dobbins in the Meadowlands or Travis Etienne in Indianapolis? Thank you, Rich. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, – like Ron Rivera said, I'm going to go with the hot hand here. ETN has been trending upwards, whereas James Robinson has been trending downwards. Not really sure what to expect with J.K. Dobbins. I know Justice Hill doesn't look like he's going to get back this week, so maybe you could make the case for Dobbins, but I like what ETN's doing. I'm going to play him over J.K. Yeah, but he asked about Dobbins first, which means he wants to play Dobbins. And, you know, we talked a lot <laughs> on the show about uh, a player. We, we talked a lot about Dobbins, a player that through this season has amassed 100 yards rushing, he carries the ball about 10 times a game. He gets a couple of catches. Uh, they're playing the Giants. Uh, we already know that they're going to blitz, blitz, blitz. This is this is not a good this is not a good matchup for this player. And even when he has a good matchup, he hasn't produced. Go with that the end and hope for the continued uh, ascension of that running back. 
Um, the next one here is a wide receiver question. We're going to get to Greg in Richardson, Texas. Garrett Wilson facing Balky's Packers or Brandon Ayuk for a juicy matchup mm. in Atlanta. Thank you. That is Greg in Richardson, Texas. While I do agree that it is a pretty good matchup for Ayuk this week, Garrett Wilson leads the Jets in targets this year. He's already got 38 of them. He's had some pretty successful games. He plays primarily in the slot. It's going to be on Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry to move Jair Alexander to play more slot this game, which I think he will. But I also think, and this is kind of goes with the Rodgers answer that I have, I think the Packers are going to have a pretty good game this week. And as a result, I think you're going to count on some some Garrett Wilson garbage stuff in the third and fourth quarter. And I think he picks up um, a, quite a few catches this game. I'm looking at like a six to eight catch game for Garrett Wilson. I don't know if I can count on that with Ayuk. I'm going to play Wilson. That's a head scratcher. And I can understand your reasons for Wilson here, but the, the targets have dropped off as the catches have dropped off. Uh, since quarterback Wilson has come back mm-hmm. and quarterback Flacco has gone to the bench. And I'm trying to understand who Wilson wants to throw the ball to. Uh, and it appears he wants to throw the ball to whoever's open, which is a way to win football games, but not a way to be a great fantasy team. Ayuk, uh, uh, you know, you and especially our, our pal Dave Turp, you know, <laughs> Turp was a little off his tits on this player this year, you know. He's just, but quite on, you know. And 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 I said this will be a fifty to sixty catch player with Lance. Now he's got a a more accurate quarterback, we think, and he's still on place, you know, on par to get fifty or sixty catches. But you could, you know, this is this is a tough one. Uh, I'd like to return to this one next week because the Niners are at the Falcons and. Uh, Jeez, so this is a tough one. I'm going to just go Ayuk just to be on the different side um, with you, Balky. But neither of these players are, are are getting the attention from the quarterback that they deserve, and it's much more understandable why Ayuk isn't, and it's a bit of a head scratcher why Garrett Wilson is. Um, let's go to uh, to the YouTube chat right now. Coco's World, Coco's World wants to know updates on Jamison Williams. Any chance he's a factor this season? To answer that question, I I will say that the 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 drumbeat all along in Detroit was um, after the week six by we'd start to see Jamison Williams on on the field more. I haven't heard anything to contradict that, so I, I would imagine that we'll start seeing him maybe practice a little bit, at least doing individual drills after this week. Um, is there a chance that he's a factor this season? Yeah, there's a non-zero chance of anything. Um, and I'm going to try to hold on to him. I have him in like two or three leagues. I'm trying to hold on to him as long as I can, because I think he could be a difference maker down the stretch, but I understand that anybody who is just doesn't have the room for him anymore, because there is a very real possibility that he spends his, uh, you know, the rest of October and November getting up to speed. Remember, this is a guy who's basically missed everything preseason training camp, mini camp, OTAs. He missed everything and he's a rookie. So it's, it's, I'm tempering my expectations on him. That's good. Okay, perfect. So Farrell and I have one mind on that. Um, before we get to the last question, Hudson Reeve is, is uh, we, we want to get him in here. He wants to know, uh, because of all the anxiety people have, and I think Steve was talking about this too, like unless you have a top three, a top four guy maybe um, at tight end, you, you really don't have a tight end because of how, how um, um, you know, um, inconsistent that they've been this year. Tight end sleepers this week. Uh, he mentions Tunyon. Yeah, I think that's one. Um, obviously, Taysom Hill. I, I think at this point, you got to get him in your lineup. Um, I picked up Hunter Henry in a couple Ooh, of, uh, of hey, Kentucky leagues this week, mm-hmm. um, leagues where I had uh, Darren Waller on by. So we'll see what happens there. So I think he's interesting. Um, but besides that, Farrell, I'm not. And you mentioned Kate Otten, so I'll go with Kate Otten as well. Yeah. 
Um, but any other tight ends that you like this week, maybe a little bit off the beaten path? Well, um, no, I don't like Tanyan. Uh, uh, Kern or even the other listeners that don't care for Tanyan, but just because of what we read in RPO, uh, Tanyan is going to be released from the line much, much later in that situation. As, as, I don't like that. Hunter, your Hunter Henry pickup is, is a pretty good pickup, and that's you, you've got a, a, a young quarterback who's going to lean into the tight end. Now, what did a young quarterback do last week? They had a big win. He went to his uh, uh, number one uh, uh, receiver, uh, Myers. Myers had a big game. And Hunter Henry had a contributing game as the tight end. And those were his – the rest of the receivers caught three passes for negligible yards. Uh, We – well, you know, we can talk about Daniel Bellinger, Balky. There's another Mm -hmm. Uh, you take uh, Bellinger at New York now, and and some of our greatest fantasy players are, are dialed into the Giants uh, as, as their favorite team. My pal Jeff Joaquin, big Giant fan, and he knows more about that team than any other team in the NFL. We, and we had the pleasure of watching them play a full game outside of the red zone uh, this past week, and Bellinger was on the field all the time. He lines up in the backfield. He lines up in line. He lines up split out, uh, and he was he was on the field enough to to make me think that there's a high potential. And you know he's only caught ten balls this year, but the best for him is still to come. And Hunter Henry, I had you know at the draft, uh, a, a guy asked me. He goes, "You're going to draft Hunter Henry?" I said, "Yeah, if I can get him as my second tight end." He goes, "I don't like old tight ends. Hunter Henry is 27 years old." But Hunter Henry is different than a lot of players. He came into the league and and did well right away. So we think he's been an old veteran. He's you know he's he's a, he's a veteran player, but he's long way over the hill with Hunter Henry. Absolutely, and I guess that leads into the final question, Farrell. And I thought I knew how you're going to answer this. Now I'm not so sure. Hey, Farrell and Balky need a football guy's flex from you. Daniel Bellinger versus Baltimore, or Hunter Henry in Cleveland. Tom in Enterprise Kansas. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I'm going with Henry. Are you still going with Henry over Bellinger? Um, this is an FFPC football guys player. Yes, football. I guys. would like him to examine his lineup and see if there's a weak flex where he could play both these guys. Because Ooh. yeah, I, I think this is a time if you've got these two tight ends on your roster, this is a time to put them out there and see what you can do. If you have a receiver uh, that you're not, you know, that's got question marks. Say that he's a guy that's targeted and been targeted around five times. Take them down, uh, get Bellinger and Henry uh, elevated in your lineups this week. Because, you know, we we uh, we know what the Giants have in Baltimore, a team that has, has got some real holes in the secondary. And, and, and you know, we, we know what uh, we know what the quarterback needs from his tight end uh, there with New England. So, yeah, I like I like double tight ends. Double tight ends is what Farrell likes. I like talking with Farrell uh, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour each and every week. Farrell, appreciate you joining me again this week, and uh, we will do this again same time, same place next week, 10-9 Central. Thank you so much, buddy. Have a great weekend. I'm going to try, Balky, and I hope we're right about some of this stuff. You know, i got to work my way up to the roto biz. So, I mean, this it, is it, important it's coming. It's that coming. I get something correct here, you know, <laughs> because I don't, I'm not getting to any prime time if I don't start getting some of this stuff together uh you know we'll, we'll get you on rotaviz we'll get you on bsn it, you're going to be doing it all Farrell. we'll put you through the the eric balkman podcast car wash and, and you're just going to do everything 
hanging with Balky. There's nothing better in the fantasy football world. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, we will talk with you again on Friday. Earl Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football at KFFSC.com is where you can check that out. Uh, and of course, at KFFSC official on Twitter. Thanks to Steve Tansoni, uh, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you. We are back uh, next Friday at 10 9 Central. A triple threat of guests. We're going to kick off the show with the Wizard of Odds himself. CBS Sportsline sports analyst Kenny White will actually drop by um, for an interview. So we're going to talk with him. So, you know, get any betting questions or anything like that. Um, we'll get into that with, with Kenny to kick things off. And then we're going to have the week five leaders in the Football Guys Players Championship. Mo Farunia and Nick Baji will be on the show next week uh, at 10 9 Central. Watch the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown if you missed it. Uh, with Christian Barney Newkirk on the FFPC YouTube channel. Um, and we'll be doing another high stakes lowdown. We're pr pretty much 10, 9 central on Tuesdays as you're going to be your home for that. And this week is going to be the FFPC main event, 12th place team owner, Ryan Santos. He makes his return to the HSLD. Uh, that is Tuesday at 10, 9 central. High stakes fantasy football show on the Better Sports Network goes live uh, at 10, 9 central on Wednesday. You know, you can watch it on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. I encourage you to download the uh, Better Sports Network app, both in the App Store and Google Play. So you have a chance to win all the great prizes we've been giving away there. And of course, calling in, chatting on the platform, uh, do live video streaming there. So that's always fun. And the 33rd team's Josh Larkey will be my guest co-host uh, with me this Wednesday. So that'll be fun. Play the FFPC weekly challenge. No draft or salary cap. Choose the 10 players in the slim format you want or the 12 players in the classic format that you want. Uh, only one player per team. You can enter for 35 bucks. You can enter for $200. And of course, if you want to get in that 10 team $200 entry, you'll be playing for a 2023 FFPC main event entry. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I always remind everybody to like uh, the video, subscribe to the channel, comment on the videos, share the videos to your friends. And of course, uh, make sure you're getting notified every time uh, I, I schedule a new podcast. You will be notified. You'll know exactly when it's going to air so you can pop aboard and uh, and join us on the show there like Hudson Kern-Reeve and uh, Steve Tansoni and Coco's World and all the other people we had in the YouTube chat tonight. Uh, thank you so much for watching, everybody. I really appreciate it. And of course, your weekend officially can start now. <laughs>Hey, one other thing that Hudson Kern-Reeve just brought up, and I appreciate this, um, for uh, many of the FFPC leagues this week, main event, football guys, etc., uh, it is an all-play week because there is now a 12-week regular season. Uh, week six is the all-play week, so you will play everybody in your league this week. The top six scoring teams will get wins. The bottom six scoring teams will get losses. So if, if, if it looks head-to-head -head scoring, live scoring looks a little weird this week, that's why. Um, so you can feel free to email us at support at myffpc.com. But if you're doing that, it just proves 
you didn't watch this video all the way to the end, which we like to encourage. So that is what's going on in week six. Uh, hopefully the ball bounces your way and we will be back at this uh, show next Friday, but hopefully you can drop a boat, uh, drop uh, joint, join us, hop aboard, drop in uh, at 10, nine central on Tuesday night for the high stakes lowdown with Ryan Santos. Thanks everybody. Really appreciate you watching.